sweet and sour, sweet and sour, sweet and sour, sweet and sour. Firefall never had to sound like Firefall. When right. we played together, the, those groupings of guys, we sounded like us. And we didn't really sound like anybody else. And it started from, so Mark Andy's on bass was from Spirit and JoJo Gunn and was certainly not a country rock bass player. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. He was, he was like progressive and an LA guy. And Spirit had some amazing out, mm -hmm. kind of avant-garde songs. And then here's Michael Clark, the king of 4-4 from The Birds. On this episode of Playtime, you know, a founding member of the classic band Firefall, Jock Hartley, is my guest. He's got great stories about rock legends, past, present, and future. I'm your host, W.C. This is uh, this is really really. Thank you for joining, by the way. No problem. For your comfort level, the video is just for our back and forth. The final will be an audio in, uh, interview only. Uh, however, if Bigfoot, a pterodactyl, or a Ron DeSantis voter walks through the room behind you, I'm posting that. Otherwise, we'll be we'll okay. be good. Okay. Oh, you can post it. I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, you can, uh, you know. So, if you only want to use audio, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, I like the, uh, I like the allure and the mystery of audio. I'm an, I'm a radio guy. Um, you know, so, right. so I, I was used to, used to audio, and we kind of begrudgingly got into, uh, Facebook and Stitch and all these other. They, they always said that the, the camera added uh, five pounds. Looking back at the video. I was sure that there might have, there there must have been eight or ten cameras on me. 
Yeah, right. So where are you at? <laughs> I'm in Chicago, very, very near where you'll be uh, in Displains. Oh, okay, great. Let's, let's did, do uh, did, did Wendy send you our new album? Not yet. I am so looking forward to it. I, I just heard uh, Simple Man. I'll be playing playing this piece out with Simple oh, Man. Cool. It's it's exceptional. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the new album uh, towards the end, but you, you've you've got a hell of a schedule here, uh, and I don't want to belabor that too much. That's okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, and this being a John Lappin radio interview for a gig, you yeah. know, Wendy sends the CDs out to all the blogs and I've been doing so many interviews here. Oh gosh, which I can is imagine the the most in you know in ever since twenty years <laughs> ago or thirty years ago. So it's really great having a new album out. So we'll let's start. You go ahead, sir. That's that's a great sign. We're we're gonna cover we're gonna cover some of uh, some of the earlier stuff here. Well, we've got we've got so much to get to from the earliest days of the band in the nineteen seventies uh, to the upcoming new album. I, I think we should be able to cover this in say twelve or fourteen hours. <laughs> okay. You know, <laughs> so let me begin this way. Jack Bartley is the co-founder of Firefall, whose soul-infused sound blends country and Americana themes with jazzy sax and flute notes over richly layered harmonies. Uh, not not too much. I I, I I kept seeing I kept seeing you guys shuffled off into the country rock genre, and I thought that that felt a little. Wrong. Hollow. Wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, not a shooting star by any stretch. This band was inducted into the Colorado Music Hall of Fame. Firefall has consistently produced quality music over their five-decade career. The band's biggest hit single, You Are the Woman, peaked at number nine on the Billboard charts in 1976, followed by Just Remember I Love You, which hit number 11 in 1977. You are the woman was number one on the easy listening charts. So nice. That was our only number one easy listening. <laughs> which would which would break the uh, the country rock rule. Or or yeah, uh, or you know, there's there's reasons for all that that we can talk about a little bit. But yeah, go ahead if you're not done with your firefall <laughs> spiel. Uh, I'm I'm just about done. A personal favorite, sweet and sour, should rightly be on that list of best songs their new album friends and family is now available for pre-order the website is firefallofficial.com on september on saturday september 9th firefall is joined by another great band pure prairie league for an 8 p.m show at the displays theater displays illinois by the way uh jock i just had john ford coley and martin barr uh on on the show and they both performed at the displays theater i'm a theater guy and for one of my plays, we actually looked at the uh, at the Displays Theater. It's got a great stage, man. It does. We've played there a few times, I think. And oh, uh, have you? It's uh, yeah, and it's it's really great. And you know, John Ford Coley's a great guy, and still doing it. And yeah. we love playing with Pure 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 Prey League. They've had a few changes recently, but hey, so have we. You yeah, know, who has changed sometimes. I will have to say to start off with that, uh -huh. to me, a band can only be successful um, and get big if you've got a song or the songs. When it all goes crazy and the thrill is gone, the days get rainy and the nights get long, when you get that feeling you were born to. 
staring at your ceiling thinking of your blues when there's so much trouble that you want to cry the world has crumbled and you don't know why when your hopes are fading and they can't be found dreams are let you waiting friends are let you down just remember songs are everything and as a lead guitar player you know i have known for decades that the best thing i can play whether it's a little lick or a solo or whatever the best thing i can play is being played to make the song better it's the singing it's the playing it's the it's the whole making of a song and the amazing thing for firefall when I played with Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou Harris, uh, I met Rick Roberts in New York City. Now, New York, I mean, Rick Roberts had um, replaced Graham Parsons in the F Flying Breeder Brothers. Right. And in fact, it was Rick Roberts and Chris Hillman who discovered Emmy Lou Harris. So there's intertwining yeah. all kinds of things going there. Yeah. But I met Rick and um, we both figured out that we lived in Boulder and said, man, we should get together. And he came and heard me play in Boulder mm -hmm. um, uh, and in a rock band setting, not the country music of Graham that I wasn't the greatest at. Um, and he said, this is the same guy. And pretty much I started working with Rick. He thought he was going to do a third solo album. Mm -hmm. He quit the Burrito Brothers. Mm -hmm. He didn't know quite what he was doing, but because of Linda Ronstadt cut Rick's song Colorado, the burrito song, and had a big hit yep. with it. So yep. Rick knew all about making money on the song. When Mark Andes from Spirit, which was, who was one of the many rock stars from L.A. who moved to the mountains above Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, when Mark Andes started jamming with it, it suddenly didn't feel like a, um, you know, a solo record of Rick's. It felt like a band. And Rick said, I know this guy in Washington, D.C., Larry Burnett, who writes great songs, sings great. He and I sing great together. Do you want to hear a song? And Mark and I went, sure. And of course, that was before cassettes were invented. Sure. So he put on a big reel-to-reel -reel tape. Uh -huh. And the first song we heard of Larry's was Cinderella. And we went, oh, my God. Yes. 
Fireball practice. We didn't have a name yet. We didn't have a gig yet. We were trying out local drummers, and it was about a month and a half before Michael Clark from the Birds joined the band. Uh huh. But from our first week of rehearsal, we had 20 to 25 original songs to work out. Wow. That's unheard of. And the amazing thing was that many of them were so good that a year and a half later, um, they would be on our first album, Mexico, It Doesn't mm-hmm. Matter, Living Ain't Living, Cinderella, all yeah. those songs. So being a guitar player and Mark being the bass player and uh, Michael Clark, the drummer, and David, the late, great David Muse on saxophone, flute, and keyboards, it was always the songs that were just glittering stars in the sky. And we just did what we did as a band to make them better. And the truth is, is that since Firefall kind of came from that genealogy tree of folk rock and southern uh, 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 country rock from southern california and la Mm -hmm. you know the you know the birds the buffalo springfield poco graham parsons you know loggins and messina all that kind of stuff we kind of got pigeonholed because of rick roberts i think uh, in the burrito brothers in the previously that uh a lot of people call this country rock, but we've never really been a country rock band. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. So you guys sort of sort of really found, this was my take anyways, you guys really kind of found that, that sweet spot between the solid country sound of, of, of a Graham Parsons uh, and the more esoteric sound of Can't Heat or Paul Butterfield, uh, Blues oh, Country, oh. Uh, quick, right. quick Silver Messenger Service. But but I thought you guys more fit closer a mold to uh, to the Eagles and to Crosby Crosby Stills Nash and yeah. Young who who sort of threaded the the country line but really felt more towards an Americana folk right. rock sound right I I agree with you and all of those bands you named are in Firefall's genealogy tree. Absolutely, yeah. And the tree, the trunk of the tree is the birds and the Buffalo Springfield, and then it branches yeah. out to Eagles, Poco, everything, and Firefall's on the top of that tree. Yeah. And what's interesting is I think, for instance, the Tom Petty tree is not the same tree. It's a different tree, even though they borrowed heavily from Roger McGuinn and the 12th string early on for the Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah, you I know? agree. And... I just know how lucky I am and fortunate and have had really good timing a few times in my career, you know, to be in that, in that genre of music and have played a small role of music in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But so when a band comes together or, or when artists come together, each with their own, their own history and their own, uh, their own perspective on on the art and the, uh, particularly for music for the sound, you sort of have to build a shared vision, right? And and how did that conversation between you and and Rick Roberts go? And the rest of the guys go. And the rest um, of the guys, yeah. It wasn't a conversation. Uh huh. It was a sharing of music and see where this composition that Rick and Larry brought us to see where it went. And sometimes, you know, 
one of them would bring us a song yeah and it would be kind of just a folky strummy song and we would after working on it and seeing wow i could go this way a little bit mm -hmm. you know the band would take it in a certain direction say you are the woman that i've always dreamed of i knew it from the start i saw your face and that's the last i've seen of my like firefall when right. we played together the, those groupings of guys we sounded like us and we didn't really sound like anybody else and it started from so mark andy's on bass was from spirit and jojo gun and was certainly not a country rock bass player boom, yeah. boom, boom. he was he was like progressive and an la guy and spirit had some amazing out mm -hmm. kind of avant-garde songs and then here's michael clark the king of four four from the birds who yeah, you know yeah. played nothing fancy but just played the, the beat and from the rhythm section on on those great songs and then adding my guitar which i am happy to say is still distinctive sounding you know Indeed i don't really is, yeah. play like anybody else you know and then we added david on sax and flute it became kind of a thing of its own and people didn't know what to call it and for a few years in the 70s they called it the colorado sound <laughs> there you go but we might have been about the only thing maybe steven stills this band from there was a lot from colorado and yep. and rehearsed and recorded up a caribou would fit into that but you know i've never been one for genres and you know for the longest time back when we hit it big uh -huh. There was only AM radio and FM radio. Yeah. And we had big AM hits with our ballads. Uh, you Are the Woman, Just Remember I Love You, um, Strange Way Later, which wasn't really a ballad, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it was really poppy and everything. And then FM play, we had Cinderella in Mexico and all these other great songs that... Yeah. Uh, so it was really great. People were hearing of us through two totally different kinds of music radio. So that decision, or maybe that philosophy, uh, is is a better way to frame it, of not adhering or not falling into 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 a specific genre. Do you feel uh, Do you feel that that opened up greater musical vistas for you, and and allowed for uh, a greater freedom in the band sound? Well, generally, yes. Okay. To your question, but for instance, Rick Roberts. You know, he let's say he had 20 songs in his pocket. Yeah. His soft songs. Now, he, Rick, wanted to write hit songs that girls 18 to 25 years old would call radio stations and he'd make a lot of money on them. <laughs> so they were great songs, but he was really trying to be commercial. 
Okay, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rick would have soft songs and harder rock songs. Everywhere, something down in my way. Knock it down, make no sound except what I say. Someone and everyone close enough to hear. You better watch out, son. I don't get too near. Never gonna change. his bunch. When you look at Larry, Larry didn't think commercially at all. Yeah. Um, he he kind of was like a purging <laughs> of his soul to write these songs, you know? And, you know, and so he had his, his soft songs and then to the harder variety. And yeah. when you put those two groups of songs by those two songwriters, we could have gone all kinds of different places. Yeah, indeed. And in fact, there was a song of Larry's, which I won't name, that was so hard rock and kind of politically, oh, you know, maybe stay away from. Mm -hmm. Um, Atlantic Records wouldn't let us put it on a record because it was too out of what people thought Firefall was. So yeah. after we got to be a big success, but but sharp, sharp so shooting, many, but but, but sharp shooting at the at the, uh, at the senator made it on a record. Oh yeah, that's the one. was when yeah. Rhino started putting out the old the old Atlantic Oh, I see. They, okay. They kept asking me, do you have anything that w- never was on an album? And I went, well, yeah, I got a few things. <laughs> you know, I'm the keeper of the records, kind of. So, yeah, they didn't want that. But for listeners who were only listening to AM radio, yeah, yeah. they thought we were just You Are the Woman. And in fact, frankly, yep. you know, uh, you know, um, Atlantic Records and Ahmed Erdogan would mm-hmm. have preferred Ken You Are the Woman's for an album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So many people thought we were soft rock, but you know, we we have a lot of balance, but we're a rock band from Boulder that 
just had some great songs to play and we yeah. went wherever the songs went. So, you know, I mentioned um, Sweet and Sour um, and uh, and you talked about Mexico, uh, both both incredibly powerful and, and great songs. But I listened to a lot of radio back in the day and I still do. And and I never I never heard those songs, but I I had heard the the those two hits and Cinderella uh, a little bit less here in in the Chicago area. If not for a deeper interest in music, I might just have assumed that you guys were a ballad band. If that's all I heard was right. was what was played right. on on AM radio. For instance, when we'd go on the road with Fleetwood Mac during Rumors, or yeah. You know, friggin' Leonard Skinner, who kicked harder than anybody. Yeah. You know, live. You yeah. know, they blew anybody who played after them got blown away by Leonard Skinner, no no matter who it was. Uh-huh. You know, um, we could hold our own with those bands because we were a rock band. Yeah. But sometimes people would come to our con pardon my phone, uh, oh, it's quite people would come to our, our concerts and be really surprised that we weren't you are the woman on every song. Yeah, you know. Yeah, indeed. But indeed. hey, the way you know, you are the woman. You know that has kept me working for fifty years. Just there about. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's great. You mentioned Mexico, of course. Mm -hmm. Have Have you heard my Mexico story before? You know, I have three or four amazing highlights in my career, and one of them, yeah. we went to Miami Criteria Studios to make our first album, okay. The Hit Factory. Okay. The BGs were down the hall. Stephen Stills was down the hall. Dave Mason was in and out. It was yeah. like it, that's where a lot of the good records were being made from back in the seventies, um, including Eagles and stuff like that. So I was warming up in the studio to play my solo on Rick's song Mexico, which I knew was going to so, be. So let me let me build in a little bit of drama here because I I, I know a little bit about this story. You you were having some difficulty with the solo um no 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 no, no. Okay, okay you don't have it right okay so don't cut in all right Kirky. okay <laughs> so the day before i went to record the solo on mexico that i knew might be my high point as a guitar player on the record we added the mariachi horn section da -da 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 -da, in the middle of my solo uh -huh. okay so for two years as the firefall played live you know, I would just rock every night on that. And I didn't even have to, you know, I could play that song in my sleep. But I knew going in, those horns are somewhere, and I've never played with them before, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Last night it snowed for the first time. Everything's covered in white. How many months till a springtime? It's a long winter's night. I start playing, people are in and out of the control room. I start playing and 
it's going good. And one of the things I do as good as a guitar player, I think, is answer back vocal passages. The singer will sing something, and then I'll play something, whether it's the exact thing or a different melody or complimentary thing or whatever. So it's going good. I'm playing good. You know, it's, yeah, I'm, you know, it's a first verse, second verse. Gets to my solo. I start playing my solo, going good. It sounds great. My amp is, you know, and fingers are just doing their their thing there. And then I'm thinking, here comes the, the horn somewhere. I don't know where. So I play them, I'm playing, and then I stop. And there they are. They play. I play. Mm -hmm. They play. I play. They play. And then I finish the song. And it ended up being a one-take uh, performance, the solo and all the licks and everything. And when it was done, Jim Mason, the producer, pushed the button and said, God, that was great. Come on in. And I said, you know, I had no idea where the horns were or what I was going to play. How about, you know, just that little section. Let me see if I can beat that little section, mm -hmm. which is what guitar players do all the time. They punch in or they try another pass at it or something. And he said, no. And I went, Jim, look, I, I don't even know what I played. And that's probably OK, but I'll bet I can beat it. Let me see if I can play a better something with the horn section. No, I take my guitar off. I kind of storm into the control room. And the first person I see is my guitar hero, Eric Clapton, who's wow. been watching me play. Wow. And it was, like I said, a one take performance. And I yeah. kind of turned into Jackie Gleason. Da, 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 you know, and, uh, <laughs> and he stood up and said, keen playing, man. Wow. And, and left. Only time I ever met Eric Clapton. And, you know, tens of millions of guitar players around the world. He was the, their hero then. It was, you yep, know, and, yep. and he was down in Miami making 461 Ocean Boulevard. And the only okay. thing I'll say is, is when the producer, when Eric left and the producer looked at me and said, now, what do you want to try again? He's, and I went, oh, nothing, nothing. You know, so it was a <laughs> one take performance. I thought I wanted to try to beat a section of the, the thing, but I didn't. Yeah. But. The only thing I'll say was it was a good thing I didn't know my hero was in there watching me play because I wouldn't have been able to play anything, probably. Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to build out a little bit for for the listeners. I want to build out a little bit more about about your history and your background. You would just come from stints with uh, with Zephyr for their their Sunset Ride album uh, and touring with the the aforementioned Grant Parsons. How did you sound? transform when when you began playing with with Zephyr and and what did you learn from Graham Parsons and what did that mean for for you building the firefall sound oh huh. multi-layered question real good question sir um so I was a multi-purpose lead guitar player hippie guitar player in Boulder yep I had had the great fortune 
to from eight and a half years old take lessons from a very famous world famous jazz guitar player named Johnny Smith. like 14 or 15 albums out mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I learned from him technique and play you know be precise and yeah. don't be sloppy and you know and I also learned the concept of about less is more because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not what you play that is most important it's what you don't play yeah. it's the spaces you leave and between vocal uh, between melodic passages yeah. Uh, the right the right place space just makes everything breathe so anyway i was playing rock and roll so i i saw tommy boland's first gig with with zephyr right um when he came came from south dakota you know he was great and just so ballsy and innovative and in your face and candy and and tommy playing was really something to behold and then tommy quit the band formed a local band called Energy and then fell into the James Gang first and then Deep Purple. I replaced him and the album we made, Sunset Ride, David Givens, the leader of the band and husband of Candy, has told me that that was the first time that the rhythm section, the drummer and the bass player and all the band really worked on songs and just it wasn't a kick-ass live kind of thing. It's a really cohesive album. different from the Tommy and you know I remember one time I mean Tommy and Candy when you'd see Zephyr play on stage the original mm -hmm. Zephyr they mm -hmm. were fantastic and it was almost like Tommy and Candy were vying for the spotlight me <laughs> no me yeah take that yeah it was this amazing you know uh, and she was she she was a great lyricist but she was uh she also had this this sort of um Janis Joplin-esque essence yeah. right yeah yeah and she was a great harmonica player yeah and and so tommy you know and when i joined the band i wasn't really concerned at all about performing i was wanted to stand by my amp and play good you know and <laughs> and, and do this kind of stuff and i you know candy a couple of times is going like where's my guitar player come on out here you know it's <laughs> like and i like the sunset ride album too and i'm sure we weren't as 
dynamic as the original Zephyr was on stage. Well, they played a few gigs mm -hmm. and then the band ended up breaking up. I fell into Graham Parsons and Amy Lou Harris's band. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. And oh, yeah. Out in L.A. when they were putting the band together. Now, I told you that Rick Roberts had had discovered Amy Lou Harris. Right. In right. Washington, D.C. Yeah. Chris, a week or two later, calls Graham and said, I think we found the girl you're looking for. Wow. Their first gig was in Boulder, Colorado. They had wanted uh, the late uh, the great James Burton from Elvis's band who played yeah. on all the GP records. Yeah. And Elvis said, you're not playing with anybody else. You know, and so they said, how about Clarence White from the birds? Great, great picker, you know, and he wasn't available. So they hired a guy that was kind of sight unseen and they got on the bus and came to Walton. acoustic guitar player and he was so nervous that he also got drunk and they were terrible emmy lou was stunning on stage I'm but sure. i got a call from the manager saying you should get your ass down here you might have a gig <laughs> and i went down and listened to the band i sat in with them they asked me if i'd sit in with them the next day fortunately me for me the band that they that that was opening for them was a rock 50s rock band kind of thing that I'd go mm -hmm. sit in with all the time. So I was playing slide and playing solos and they could see that I was a good player. But then I sat in with them sitting with my amp right next to the guys that I'm about to replace. And they had a vote after that and said, this is kind of funny. Um, we need three things from a guitar player. We need a really good rhythm guitar player, mm -hmm. solid we need a good rock player. So on the Rocky songs that we play that he can handle, but primarily we need a good country picker, a la James Burton, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they took a vote and I was two out of three. I wasn't the country picker they needed. Uh -huh. I was two out of three. And the guy they had was zero out of three. And they said, Graham told me after the meeting, two out of three beats zero out of three every time. <laughs> so, so how easy or difficult was it for you to pick up the pace on country picking. It was difficult. Yeah. And in fact, um, going down to Austin, Texas on our first gig, the late great steel player, Neil Flans and I were in the back of the bus bouncing around with him trying to drop the needle on a, on a, a phonograph. So <laughs> I could kind of go, Oh, there's okay. And I'd kind of learned James's, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you, you know, you can't be a country picker overnight. You know, um, it, that's just like asking somebody to be a rock player to like, hey, be a jazz player overnight. It's Precisely. Like, no yeah. Yeah. So I, I wasn't a country picker and I probably was the uh, was the weakest person in the band. We had a great steel player, but Graham and Emmy Lou were just so fantastic that, mm -hmm. you know, hardly anybody listened to me. But the interesting thing was there, Graham knew everybody out in L.A. and you know, knew the stones and went to with all this kind of stuff. 
we're playing in Houston, Texas on our second gig. Yeah. And into onto the stage walks Neil Young and, and Linda Ronstadt to sit in. Wow. And, wow. and it was the first night that Linda and Emmy Lou had ever met or sang together. Uh-huh. And after the two songs that they played on our uh, in our on our encore, Neil says, "Ah, come on, everybody, come on back to my hotel suite. It's going to be fun." And so three bands: Neil Young's band, Linda Ronstadt's band, and Grand Parsons' band with Emmy Lou Harris uh-huh. all went to Neil's Neil's hotel suite. Massive quantities of everything going around and staying up till dawn. But the thing that was so amazing, immediately, Graham grabs one of Neil's guitars and starts playing like 20 country songs, you know, none of which I'd ever heard. I wasn't a country guy, sure. but Linda uh, Ronstadt and Emmy Lou Harris sat about five feet away from Grant Graham uh-huh. faces together, six inches apart. And they blended their voices together for the first time in harmony. And it was, it was not only magical, but all of us watching to tell how historic that was. Keep a fire for the human race Let your prayers go drifting into space You never know what will be coming down Perhaps a better world is drawing near Just as easy if it all disappears You, you re- recreate a bit of that on the on the new album we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in in a bit but i wanted to i wanted to ask you this i had a a conversation with denny lane from uh paul mccartney and wings right Uh, and after the moody blues he went on to to perform with ginger baker and ginger baker's air force and then he moved to wings he insists that it's the same sound but there's there's a looser approach to guitar playing that i really feel that he he sort of found in with ginger baker and go ahead please no with ginger baker i thought you were gonna say with paul mccartney but no so he so there was a there was a a looser playing style with uh with ginger baker that he carried he carried over to paul mccartney and wings Okay. And I can relate to that. Right. So so I I guess that was my original question was did the did the effort to become a country picker and and playing with with uh the great Grant Parsons, did that affect your sound or evolve in your sound at all into into Firefall? Probably not. Okay. What it did what it did do, uh-huh, it is it helped expand my sound to include more country kind of things when i needed them okay it just kind of kind of expanded your your retinue of uh music your menu right exactly but i you know i was a rock player kind of blues bluesy oriented Mm -hmm. and you know i've told rick roberts i was born to play in your song mexico Mm -hmm. and some of those songs with my 1958 cherry sunburst les paul yeah which until six years ago was worth more than my house now that the house prices have (laughs) have skyrocketed but my my vintage les paul through a fender super reverb amp with no pedals Uh just ballsy 
I hit my stride before Firefall, but I hit it perfectly in stride and played the best solos some of my life sure. on our first record, you yeah. know? Yeah. But the thing is, is I've always been a right brain player mm -hmm. and, you know, letting letting the muse just take you and not really knowing what you're about to play Absolutely. or not really caring where you just came from. Yeah. Um, but you're just so in the moment and it's so it's a real kind of spiritual place, you know, because you, you're taking the band and the audience in a place that I don't know where I'm going yet. But mm. let's go. I've got, you know, I've got 18 measures or whatever it is. And, you know, there's a lot of guitar players who figure out what they're going to play on every album and, you know, work for days and, oh, I, I'm going to do that and then play the solo and it's great, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes I've had to do that. But songs like Mexico and You Are the Woman and uh, So Long's a really good example of that off our, uh, mm -hmm. off our I guess, second record. I just kind of blow and, and play right-brained and not really thinking about wow. it. You go through the filter, in my case, uh -huh. of your technique, you know, don't play too much, <laughs> you know, um, leave a lot of spaces, you know, so, you know, oh, we're in the key of A minor, you know, there's, there's little things that the back of your brain is remembering, but mostly it's just opening up to, yeah. you know, the cosmos yeah. and... I love that I'm able to do that some of the time, not all the time, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, you can tell on on our first album, for instance, on It Doesn't Matter or even Mexico, mm -hmm. I I had such great tone with, it's really bone tone from your fingers and your hands, but I had an amp and a guitar that was just singing and then great bone tone that a lot of times you could find that place where you're standing in front of the amp where, Oh God! Mm -hmm. Okay, I can sustain as long as I want to, which means I don't really have to play anything but this if I don't want to. And it's, and when that sustain happens, the note hits, and then a second or two later, all these harmonics grow out of it, mm -hmm. and there's other notes in there other than the one you're singing on. You know, it's it's so much fun being a lead guitar player. I love the intuitive nature of that. By by the way, your your solos seems so structured that i think we we don't have to we don't have to have to think as listeners uh, about about that intuitive nature but i absolutely love that i i i'm an author uh and and i speak with a, with a lot of authors uh for a uh, uh for a podcast for the chicago writers association and we often talk about the intuitive nature of writing and storytelling right. And that's and, essentially and what and you're tapping doing. into the muse. Yes. Tapping yes. into the muse. So and you I, know what? It's same thing. And frankly, when I then started writing a lot of my own songs, yeah, I I was totally opposite. I was left brain and thinking too much and uh -huh. saying, what do people think of, about this? Or, <laughs> you know, and I I finally, after many, many attempts at becoming a great songwriter myself, because I had great songwriters already in the mm -hmm, band that I was mm -hmm. just playing on, I learned from being a good lead guitar player to just let go and stop thinking. Yeah. You know, just let it come out. Yeah. And the truth is, is that when you open up to it as a songwriter, I mean, I have written songs 
where I'm playing around with some chords and it's like taking me in a certain mood. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. Cool. And then yeah. you'll go da ba -dum -ba -da -do -do, and you start ex experimenting with just sounds out of your mouth. And then at one point, boom, a whole first verse writes itself wow. or a whole verse in a chorus. And you're just playing as if it's always been out there, but you're playing it for the first time and having to keep up with it. You better have your tape player going to your phone or something. Indeed. Because, you know, tapping into right brain creative writing, whether it's poems or lyrics or books, you know, I've heard mm -hmm. I've heard tell of Stephen King, you know, just at, at his typewriter going blah, 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 and just stream of consciousness, yep. you know, yep. for like a, a chapter and then knowing he's going to go back and be able to i'm going to take that paragraph out or yeah. his editor will yeah. say i think it'd be you know knowing that you can kind of change things after the fact a little bit the key is the muse and letting that right brain voice talk brilliant brilliant that, that's the type of so let me so let me follow up on this very briefly and then we'll, we'll move on to uh to comet and some of the other the other albums that, that we you got guys... 20 minutes yes we do and we've got a lot to cover where where does that muse come from does it uh does it come from are we tapping into a universal consciousness are are we is it is yes. it from someplace deep inside of us is it heavenly yes. is is it all those things all those things okay and the truth is when you say in a deep place within yourself yeah in yeah. in your guarded part of your soul that is you know because a lot of great songs come from heartache and yeah. total sadness and, you know, being freaked out and stuff. But in that place, that's where you're in touch with the cosmos. Oh, I love that. And, love that. you know, some people would say, oh, maybe your, your guardian angel helped you with something. Or maybe you were able to kind of tap into the, you know, the consciousness, yeah. the, the uh, sub, what it was, Carl Jung, this collective subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. um, but whatever that is, if you open your mind and stop thinking so damn much, turn your left brain off. In my case, I went through a couple of songs and years to where I kind of had to consciously tell my left brain, shut the hell up. <laughs> You're going to get your chance to, you know, to check the spelling or to work on that rhyme you don't like. Just yeah. shut up. I'll bring it back to you and then just go, woo, and try to tap into consciousness and you know that i have tapped into that in different ways mm -hmm. i'm a painter and when you start on a blank canvas sometimes you know exactly what you want to do sometimes Absolutely. you don't have a clue until you take that first brush and go where and then yeah. you know and you're just you're just it's the creation point and yeah. i used to give a bunch of lectures about um accessing childlike creativity great and, oh, that's I, would al and I would always say Go to any second grade class in America and every kid in the class can draw and yep. every kid's proud of the work they do. And if you go back to the same class two years later in the fourth grade, half of them can't draw anymore. Yeah. And it really came from fear. Oh, yeah. Johnny draws better horses than I do. Or yeah. the teacher says, why don't you go to P.E. instead of art class? People lose that childlike spontaneousness. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a no fear thing because. You know, I, when I do some, when I write a line spontaneously that is really cliched or bad, I'll just laugh at it and go, ha, okay, let's see, what can, you know, and, and let something else come. 
that's, it's, that's, it's, that's, a, it's a it's an amazing process yes it is creativity and i think you know improvisers uh, on their instrument whether it be a santana or a clapton or a me mm -hmm. or a you know uh, john jorgensen who played on our record you know it's like mm -hmm. we're just kind of playing we're not thinking too much and that's just like what you read some of the best books you read you know it's like oh what a great passage getting getting back to back to <laughs> back to the, the schedule of questions i have for you um but sort of following that thread um you wrote the song for comet uh which which i i sort of see as 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 your daylight again that that album the great album from uh crosby stills and nash uh that same level of, of maturity and focus um but oh you, wow so but but you went uh what was it uh 12 years without an original album and then did i hear right that you wrote the song way back when and it completely right. opened the door for that album i remember way back when the songs Um, me persuading Mark Andes to sing Nature's Way by Spirit and Randy California. Oh, no and kidding. Going, and he was going, nah, I don't think so. But you know, I'm going, Mark, you sing it great. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. It, it inspires me every time I hear it. And he said, okay. And we started playing Nature's Way in the set, and it was great. And with that, my song, you know, uh, Way Back When, uh -huh. which is an homage to the great bands and music yeah, of the sixties. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting. I wrote that song, you know, I wrote the verse really quick mm -hmm. and I was thinking of, I wanted to make this sound like a bird song, you know, and I knew the birds didn't come out until 65 really, because the Beatles were in 64 and I'm thinking, well, what year are we doing here? And, you know, and it ended up after I wrote the first verse with the Beatles and uh, the Stones and the Birds and Bob Dylan, mm -hmm. I went, okay, that's 1965. And then I looked on Google for hit songs of 1967. And then suddenly Aretha Franklin, Creedence Clearwater, you know, Young Rascals, you know, all these other songs. I went, okay, great. So I wanted to make that so song um, accurate to the years, you okay. know? And okay. I remember, I mean... I'm still a fan of great music. Yeah, I get yeah. to play some sometimes, but I'm a fan. <laughs> and back in high school, growing up with, you know, with bands like, you know, them or in college with Crosby, Seals and Nash or the Birds uh -huh, or something. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that song uh, way back when is one of the best songs I ever wrote. But it actually, to me, those two songs, Nature's Way, our yeah. version of Nature's Way and Way Back When, led directly into the concept that our new album is uh, friends and family mm -hmm. and the concept for if, if anybody doesn't know yet that our manager Lynn had was the original firefall guys. Um, some of you guys um, played in a lot of other famous bands, the birds, the flying breeder brothers, spirit heart, 
Jojo Gunn, you know, uh, Graham Parsons, Stan Fogelberg, all this stuff. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you do why don't you do an album of their songs? And I went, What a great, what a great idea. Yeah. You know, but I then had the light bulb go in my head and I said, you know, let's expand that because the firefall of 1976, when mm -hmm. our first album came out and just went gangbusters mm -hmm. and went gold, went gold quicker than any uh, album had on Atlantic Records. And yeah. we, you know, we toured with all these bands. Let's do some mm -hmm. of their songs, including Fleetwood Mac, the Doobie Fleetwood Brothers, Mac, right. uh, Leonard Skinner, Marshall Tucker. You know, Poco, you know, it's like we were touring with a lot, a lot of bands. And he said, that's great. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. So suddenly the concept was Firefall in 2023 with our new lead singer, John Bisaha, who's great from uh -huh. the babies. Steve Weinmeister was in the band 25 years. He quit for five. And now he's back. And our vocals are way better than they've been in, in quite a while, I have mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. I'm the third vocalist, and I didn't even care if I sang on this record because those guys were so great. But the thing is, I have to tell you, was I knew that there was great responsibility and we had to be careful picking the songs. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you an example. Lynn said, oh, you played with the band? Oh, that's great. You guys can do Up on Cripple Creek. And I went, no friggin' way. You know, Levon Helm is the only guy that really should sing that song. Yeah. Somebody, when we were trying to pick the heart song, uh, said, how about Barracuda? And I went, no, 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 no. That's hard. <laughs> you know, you know, come on. You don't want to cover that. But for me, to have many, many, many of the greatest songs of the late 60s and 70s to choose from, yeah. you know, it was great. And one by one, we picked... You know, I mean, uh, I didn't know which heart song to sing. You know, I thought, well, you know, it's the Wilson sisters and, you know, it's females. And, you know, and John, the new singer, came up and he said, I could sing the crap out of uh, What About Love. Wow. And I went, wow. okay. He said, of course, it'd have to be in a lower key. And I went, oh, no problem. Uh -huh. And I know Howard Lee's from Heart, um, a rock and roll Hall of Famer, and for the last 10 years, he's been playing with uh, Paul Rogers and Bad Company, right. you know, and right. John knows him from L.A. We asked Howard if he wanted to play the solo on the song, because on What About Love, he played a brilliant solo on their original. And what's interesting, <laughs> he said, I said, yeah, why don't you play some power rhythm guitars on the song and, uh, and uh, you know, play the solo? And he said, yeah, but you changed the chords on the solo a little bit. I can't play that same solo. And I went. We don't want you to. This is a new version. Play something else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, so that that solo is Howard's deal. There's there's two a Howard, two tracks of Howard and one track of me playing the same unison thing. And we turned wow. it into this really big guitar part. Like I said, John Jorgensen played 12 string on on the our bird song on Feel yep. a Whole Lot Better. Yeah. And and Tris M. Bowden from Chicago and Kenny Loggins uh played the drums on uh simple man by leonard skinner i love simple man i can't wait to hear the rest of the album let me ask you uh about a couple of songs i'm, I'm gonna kind of bounce around your career a little bit and and this one goes back to comet a new mexico
is is a sequel to to the the 76 song mexico uh same same tempo same key right no not the same key okay okay so Uh, my my thinking was we need to have comet sound at least on five songs really like the old fireball okay and if we have new songs that take us a new direction fine you know it's yeah, yeah you know 2021 and David Muse, the late great David Muse, our sax keyboard player, who who I was really sorry didn't last long enough to get on this new Friends and Family album. Yeah, yeah. he he he'd been playing a song called Ghost Town that to me sounded like Firefall, but he kind of wanted it to be a flute song and not a guitar song. Mm-hmm. And I went, I need a song, I need a song to have me cook like I do on Mexico. We need mm-hmm. a song like Mexico, and I kept saying in my brain. We need a new Mexico. We need a new Mexico. And then I went, <laughs> bingo. I went, okay. And I knew I needed to change the key. Uh-huh. And I didn't play the same lick. It is pretty much the same tempo. Yeah. And yeah. it's a totally, totally different storyline. Although the guy that's going to Mexico, he in the second verse, he doesn't have a girlfriend. In the first <laughs> verse, he's just found one, you know, and stuff. But I I just did that kind of homage to Rick Roberts. And mm-hmm. how good our first Mexico was, and that we needed a song that sounded like us. And surprisingly, six months or nine months after Comet had been released, the top song that got downloads or you know not airplay but downloads yeah, and yeah. and attention, Spotify stuff was a New Mexico, and people kind of went, "I wonder what this is." Wow, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I remember, I remember when I first heard that album. Uh, a few years back, it was right about the time that uh, that my mom passed, and and I thought never be the same. Just really struck um, oh. this beautiful, heartfelt note. I'd love what? a little bit of the story about about that and uh, and Gary Jones. I give a sign and close my eyes when your memory visits me. It's hard to try not to cry when I think of you. My heart breaks in two. And still I feel you here with me. With every passing day. But life for me will never be. The same. Well, Gary was and is my good friend from Nashville. Yeah. When Steve Weinmeister quit the band and we had to find a new singer, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd been every time I went to Nashville, I'd have him come and sing Firefall songs because I can't sing them. They're high. Yeah. I can't sing yeah. You Are the Woman. And Gary was my best friend. And it was going to be his first album being the lead singer on a rock band. Um, And the thing was, is that I really told him he wanted to present this one song. And to me, the song that he was wanting to present, the way he presented it, Mm -hmm. and it was like way too long, I thought. I said, you know, can you present anything else? You know, I I really want you to have a song on this record. You deserve to have a song on this record. Yeah. He, He wrote that song. And it was about uh, his mother having passed. Yeah. 
some people think it's about maybe a girlfriend that passed or you know someone a loved one that's not there a loved one who's not there anymore. yeah right and when i heard that for the first time i said bingo gary you're on that's yeah. it i love that song oh it's a beautiful and, song and he actually cut it with some nashville players and then i played the the solo and some guitar on it and everything but i i'll tell him about you telling him that that was one of your favorite songs and most moving songs off a of comet. Yeah, it was. It, and like I said, it, you know, it came out right about the time that, that I lost my mom. Uh, and that's why it resonated so strongly with me, but it, it's such a, such a beautiful song. Uh, my yeah. wife just lost her father uh, uh, about a year and a half back. And, uh, and she, she just loved, loved the song. So, uh, so please thank, thank Gary for us. Um, it, I, it's I will, a, I will indeed. And then, so, I, I suppose we'll finish up with this. I could go on and on, but uh, we'll we'll finish up with this on an album that you guys recorded in 1994 that I think too many people might have overlooked, and that's Messenger. Um, oh. which fe featured this really great song, You're Not Alone, which has just some exemplary guitar work in it, man. brother well thank you very much <laughs> yeah that was me just playing and you know what an interesting sidelight to that yeah so i was asked about a year after that album came out to mm -hmm. write a song for suicide prevention mm. you know and you know and you know you're not alone is kind of about that lyrically yeah we're, we're here to help you you're not alone you know you know and so I kind of stole my own idea for You're Not Alone, nothing musically, and started trying to think lyrically for my song that would be Call On Me. Yeah. And Call On Me, um, what the singer of that song is the person on the hotline phone trying to talk the teenager uh, in crisis on the precipice back from committing suicide. And that may be the best song I ever wrote. But I kind of took it. Stunning. I just enlarged. You're not alone on that. That's cool. I, I'm glad you like that song. I, in fact, for a, a few years, Call on Me put me in the national spotlight at with uh, the suicide prevention people. And I did three benefits with them. I did uh, one with Michael McDonald mm. and David Pack and Rusty yeah. Young in, in uh, Nashville that Steve Winwood came and sang on. Nice. And then the next one in Nashville was Winona and... and uh, 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 Michael McDonald and David Pack, uh -huh, and then uh -huh. then we did one in in San Francisco with Journey, Journey and Firefall, 
And I became kind of the spokesperson for suicide prevention just from a song I wrote. Oh, God love you. God love you. And and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this song forevermore, which is quintessentially Firefall. I I thought that the album was was influenced by by the sound of the day for a number of tracks. The that that really poppy, hard uh, hard rhythm, hard uh, hard drum sound. But then there there were these moments that were just firefall and and forevermore was one of those moments you are the one the everlasting song within my heart may the love never stop I didn't know what song you were going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the 80s and 90s, I wanted to take Firefall out of that country rock, you know, soft rock, you are the woman kind of thing, and tried to make it sound different. It it felt like there was an exploration there. Well, yeah. And then about 10 years later, I realized, hey, just do what you do and be what you are. Yep. yep. Quit quit trying to be something different, you know? Yeah. You know, this has been really fun talking to you. It absolutely has. Uh, if you want to talk again now that when the album's out in about three weeks, feel free, and even without a gig. I, I'd, I'd love to uh, talk to you again. Let's do it, brother. In, in the meantime, on Saturday, September 9th, Firefall is joined by another great band, Pure Prairie League, for an 8 p.m. show at the Displains Theater, Displains, Illinois. Uh, the new album from this classic American band, Firefall Friends and Family, is now available for pre-order. The website is Firefall Official. Dot com. A link to Firefall is in the notes below. Get the new album you will enjoy and savor every moment. Brother, thank you so much. This was wonderful. And, and I look forward to talking with you more uh, when the album comes out. Great. You got it. Just let me know. Um, you can get it through John or, or, or Wendy and love to talk to you. You ask great questions. Thanks. All right, Chuck. Thank you so much, man. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My mama showed me was young Come sit beside me My only son And listen closely To what I say And if you do this It'll help you Some sunny day
Is to be satisfied.